Hey, I'm Sailor. It's another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey, and tonight we are going to ride that rainbow in the dark. Fucking love that song. So for the listeners that might be new to the show, we sometimes compare two albums from one artist against each other. We discuss, usually argue, and very professionally debate the merits, and in the end, only one album or artist will reign supreme. That's right, Matt. And I am so fucking excited about tonight's subject. If you haven't already guessed... We will be tackling the legendary Metal Gods, Dio. Hell yeah. And tonight we decided to battle the last in line against Holy Diver. Holy shit. Holy Diver, you've been down too long in the midnight sea. Oh, what's becoming of me? Ride the tiger. Whoa, hey sailor. Slow the fuck down. I can't. First, though, I must ask. <laughs> as always, one of the most important questions that we ask every week on the show. What is everyone drinking? Dun dun dun. Dun Ed? Well, I just thought about this. I haven't no particular reason for picking this other than I haven't drank any in a while. But I got myself a little um, mm. Sazerac, a little baby Sazerac whiskey yeah, here. Nice. Yes, as it were. Um, so, yeah, it has been a long time. That's actually pretty darn good. Is that oh. under forty? Um, is that under forty by you? Yeah, it's. I want to say I paid around forty dollars for this bottle. Dude, that stuff is like $21 in Louisiana. Probably, but that's all right. I mean, even under four, at 40, it's still a great, great buy. I haven't had that in a while either, actually. That's funny that you, I'm going to have to pull that out. It's funny that you brought that up. Yeah, it's 90 proof, so it's not, not super high. It's a pretty easy drinker. Very nice. How about you guys? Well... I am drinking. I got a little Tully in my glass. Um, I am very, very under the weather right now. Um, So I have made myself a giant jar of hot toddy. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, it's a double, one of those double tall mason jars. Um, I'm just trying to. Yeah, you got about (laughs) about two servings in those soup cups. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In that jar. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um,. I, I put a lot of lot of extra stuff in it so to help me get well. So uh and I added Theraflu to it, so I don't know how my liver's gonna <laughs> like it, but oh well. Um I don't know, I was just kinda craving some some Tullamore dew and uh got some blood oranges uh yesterday from my boyfriend's mom and I made it was before I realized that I was really sick. I thought I was just kinda run down. I'm like, Oh, I'll make a cocktail, I'll feel better. So I was making blood orange martinis, and um, I thought, oh, the Tullamore Dew would go really well with blood orange. And um, I was right. It was very, very good. So you know what you can call it? You can call it Tullamore Flu. 
Oh. <laughs> boom. And we don't even have to pay him for that humor. <laughs> so that's what I'm drinking, Ed. <laughs> oh. So, Matt. Yeah. I believe you have the charge of the whiskey segment, good sir. <laughs> yes, I do. I do indeed have the whiskey segment, Ed. But first, let me grab my dictionary here. My metal, rock, and whiskey dictionary. That's dictionary spelled D-I-C-K, by the way. <laughs> I, I was, I was, you read my mind. <laughs> and thumb to the O's and find the term old guard. So old guard is a noun, meaning the original or longstanding members of a group or party especially ones who are unwilling to accept change or new ideas. (laughs) Now, in regards to this discussion tonight, what old guard am I making reference to? The old guard of metal, the old guard of hard rock music, the undying, never-failing devotees to a genre that defines us, that defines this show. One Ronnie James Dio is a member of this old guard, a group that we hold in high esteem. Ozzy, Lemmy, Halford, Dio, you get the picture. So I needed a pairing that defined the old guard of whiskey. A whiskey that takes no prisoners, one that has not changed for generations, and one that will not change for generations to come. One of the 10 best-selling straight whiskey brands on the planet, and that is Old Grandad. And in particular, Old Grandad bottled in bond. Of course... Those of you familiar with the brand, the bottle itself depicts an image of Basil Hayden Sr., one of the most iconic distillers in American history, a member of the whiskey Old Guard. So Old Granddad Bottle and Bond, of course, as the name suggests, aged at least four years in a federally bonded warehouse and bottled at exactly 50% alcohol by volume. And this pour is full and big, and I love it. So these are my notes. On the nose, the whiskey greets you with a nutty caramel, burnt sugar, warming vanilla, a pinch of toasted marshmallows. With that first sip, fuller-bodied with deep, foreboding oak, that burnt sugar passes nicely to the palate, as well as the vanilla and great balance of corn sweet and spice. But man, does that spiciness just linger on and on and on. As easy as I made this sound, this was not a slam dunk pairing. It did take me some time to think about this, but once I delved deeper into the man that is Ronnie James Dio, and Dio, the band in particular, there was only one brand that kept coming into my mind, and that was Old Granddad. Perfect match. And that's my whiskey segment. I like it. Nice. Good yeah, Old job. Granddad, Bottle and Bond will always kind of be a special one for me that's the first bourbon i ever drank that i ventured into the hundred plus proof oh uh bourbons that's that was my start. introduction to bottle and bond so yeah so that was that was that was a good one very nice good one to start with it is yeah. i have i have delved since this show started i have tasted a dozen plus bonded whiskeys i really wanted to get into them and i wanted to taste as many as i could and this one 
is still probably the top one, I would say. Right up there with EW, white label. Yeah, and it's a great value, too, considering you can find those bottles typically about around 20 bucks. And still on the bottom shelf. Yeah. I always, when I consult for bars and restaurants, I always tell them, whatever the hell you have is your well whiskey, get rid of it and put old granddad on. I mean, for the it's, it's you can't beat the price and have the quality that you get from old granddad. It's just it's a great, great budget whiskey for sure. Sure, a thousand percent that, right. Uh, yep, yep, yep. Hundred proof to stand up pretty well in cocktails as well. Exactly. Yep. And when you have cocktails with a lot of components, you're diluting it so much. You know, you would you really want something that has a little bit higher proof. So yeah. um, that's another reason. Awesome. Excellent choice. Sir. I really like that. Good job. Thank young you. Fellow. Thank you. guys are you ready to go down into the dungeon and talk about dio yeah so ready all right let's do this so i spent my whole weekend last weekend playing video games with my boyfriend (laughs) and (laughs) we play (laughs) well not the whole weekend but a lot of it nerd shut up (laughs) I never was never a video game person until I met him, and um, he's smart because he knows what I would like and wouldn't like, and so um, we play this game called Diablo Three. Oh, awesome! Nice. And I'm a necromancer. <laughs> of course, I am. Yeah, I figured you would be that one. So I'm, and I'm the tank. So like, I, I'm just like, I don't want to stand back and shoot things. I want to just run into everything, and be like, come at me, motherfuckers. <laughs> So, Run and gun kind of person. We're always like, okay, what do we want to listen to? And we we just it, it's all it's you know Dio all the time. It's either Ozzy or Dio because it's just perfect <laughs> for the game. So this weekend I was like, okay, well I'm gonna need to listen to Dio all weekend for some research <laughs> for the show. So um, I got really really well acquainted again with you over this weekend and um it was a fun thing to do so let's go back back to the beginning so in 1982 there were disagreements um about black sabbath's album live evil during the mixing and it resulted in the departure of ronnie james dio and Vinny a piece from the band they wanted to continue to work together though and so they formed dio in october of 82 they got Vivian Campbell, oh my god, I love Vivian Campbell, on guitars, and Jimmy Bain on bass. We'll talk about Vivian later. Um, and that following May, the band released their debut album, Holy Diver. It featured two hit singles, Rainbow in the Dark, and the title track, Holy Diver, which gained popularity from heavy rotation on MTV. Ronnie James Dio and Jimmy Bain both played keyboards in the studio, but they recruited keyboardist Claude Schnell for live shows in 1983 prior to the Holy Diver tour. So in July of 84, they released their next album, The Last in Line, and it was followed by a third album, Sacred Heart, which was released August of 1985. Shortly after Sacred Heart was released, 
Vivian Campbell became unhappy working with Ronnie James Dio, and the rift between them culminated in Campbell being fired from the band. And he went on to join Whitesnake in 87, and then later would join Def Leppard, who he's been with forever. Um, so Craig Gold was then brought in to replace Campbell. And in 87, their fourth album, Dream Evil, was released. And that's when the lineup changes really begin. Because then Schnell, Bane, and Apice left the band as well. So um, lots of changes. Um, new lineup came together. And they released the album Lock Up the Wolves in the spring of 1990. And during this tour... Uh, Ronnie James Dio had a chance meeting with former Black Sabbath bandmate Geezer Butler. Geezer! Which led to that, remember that Sabbath short-lived reunion with Ronnie James Dio? They They produced one album, Dehumanizer. And after this, Ronnie James Dio reassembled his band again and got Vinny back on drums. And by 93... Um, guitarist Tracy G and keyboardist Scott Warren of Warrant and bassist Jeff Pilson of Dawkin had all joined the band. So during this era, the band abandoned their fantasy theme songs and focused on modern issues, but that didn't do so well for them. Um, some fans regard the albums made during this period, which were 1993's Strange Highways and 96's Angry Machines, and then a live um, album as the worst in Dio's catalog, while others view them as a departure from an outdated sound in the 1980s. I, I wonder if those people would say the same thing now. Mm. Um so with di- disappointing record sales for the album Angry Machines, ma- their management really wanted them to go back to their earlier style. Um, and so Tracy G departed and um, was replaced by a returning Craig Goldie and um, Vinny Apice left Dio <laughs> again. Um, so again, more, uh, more lineup changes. And then they released their eighth studio album in 2000, Magica, which was regarded by many as the band's comeback album. And it actually reached number 13 on the Billboard independent charts. Um, so <clears throat> I think when you listen to that album, you hear a lot of the old Dio in it. And I, I was surprised to see that it actually charted in 2000 because I would have assumed that that wouldn't really be a popular time for them to make a comeback, but apparently it was. Um, so again, more lineup changes during the supporting tour for Magica. And then the band's ninth studio album was released, Killing the Dragon. And uh, this album was also very well received in the metal community and it made the Billboard Top 200. So then they released their 10th studio album, Master of the Moon, in 2004. And if you remember, in 2007, it was announced that Black Sabbath would reunite again with Ronnie James Dio and go under the name um, Heaven and Hell. And they released the album The Devil You Know in 2009. Um, So... Because Ronnie James Dio did that project, he delayed the recording of what would be the follow-up to Master of Moon, uh, Magica 2. So they had about a three-year hiatus. Um, They did interrupt that for um, a small little mini tour in Europe and did 10 concerts. And then um, they were supposed to do uh, 22 more concerts um, around the UK and Europe. And then they were going to release a new single um, titled Electra to coincide with the tour. 
Um, and this would have been their first studio material in five years. But unfortunately, that tour was canceled because um, Ronnie James Dio was hospitalized. He had been diagnosed with stomach cancer and was undergoing treatment. Um, so in February 2010, as they were still waiting um, <clears throat> to see what would happen with Ronnie's health, they announced that they were going to release a box set entitled The Tornado um, for limited purchase. I, I mentioned this. I usually don't give a shit about these things, but there is some really cool stuff in this box set. If I can ever get my hands on one, I really want one. It had, like, tarot cards in there, and he loved gnomes and trolls and, like, used to collect them. I think he was on, like, a MTV Cribs or something and, like, showed his collection of garden gnomes. It was fucking nuts. And there were, like, evil ones. Oh, it was so cool. So there was, like, many of those in there. There was just so much cool stuff in there. It was one of the most unique box sets that I had seen. Um, sadly, uh, May 16th of 2010, Ronnie James Dio passed away at the age of 67, succumbing to stomach cancer. Um, and it was announced... March of that year that the surviving members of the final lineup of Dio would embark on a project with um, if you uh, Tim Ripper Owens former Judas Priest frontman um, under the moniker Dio Disciples and um, start touring and they have been touring extensively since 2011 um, I'd be really interested to see what that would be like but I just don't know how in the fuck anyone could ever sing his songs I just there's no way so this is a little bit of background um, about Dio. Uh, Ronnie James himself is such a huge persona. Before we get into the battle, um, he he. So the the accolades he's gotten for his voice are just too long to mention. Um, he was born Ron, Ron, Ronald James Pado, Padavona, born nineteen forty two. And he was born in New Hampshire. He's a fellow New Englander. And uh, he began his music career with playing the trumpet. Um, he never received any vocal training. He always said that playing the trumpet gave him really good breathing techniques. And he also loved listening to the opera when he was young. Um, his high up upper register was just fucking insane. And then think about someone sliding into Ozzy's shoes in Black Sabbath. I mean, who the fuck else could do something like that? And let's not forget there was Rainbow with Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. Um, so let's talk about the two albums that we're going to battle, shall we? There's perfect harmony in the right. So we're going to do holy diver against the last in line now before we do that i just want to do a quick musical break um and let the let the listeners um get a little bit more of this man's amazing voice and uh then we're going to get into our feelings on both of these albums and see which one wins All right, that was awesome. So let's dive into these albums, no pun intended, <laughs> and start with Holy Diver. 
Yes. So, so Holy yep. Diver uh, was released in 1983. It's their first album. Um, the lineup was, uh, and it's the same lineup for both of these albums. You've got Ronnie James Dio on vocals, Vinnie Apice on drums, um, Jimmy Bain on bass, and Vivian Campbell on guitar. Um, the tracks on this album are Stand Up and Shout, Holy Diver, Gypsy, Caught in the Middle, Don't Talk to Strangers, Straight Through the Heart, Invisible, Rainbow in the Dark, and Shame on the Night. Um, it was certified gold in the U.S. in 84, and then platinum in 89, and certified silver in the U.K. in 86. And the album cover art features what would be the band's mascot, Murray. He's featured on many, many of their albums. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So he has a name, Murray. Okay. Murray, yeah. yeah. It's, he's like their Eddie, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Murray. Yeah. I fucking love that his name is Murray. <laughs> you know, what's, what's interesting is that when I was listening to these two albums, I got these through Amazon Prime Music, and Amazon Prime Music has um, Holy Diver marked i went back on my phone and checked it they have it copyright 1987 for some reason so i went into this thinking that last in line it came out first before holy diver and but now that i know it's the other way around it's kind of blown my mind because (laughs) well i'll explain later but uh this (laughs) awesome album if you're an 80s heavy metal fan, oh my God. this album is a must-have in your collection. True heavy metal? Yes. I'll tell you what. Yes. <laughs> um, oh, Matt, you actually like... I've, I was... I thought Matt Matt would roast this the way I since was he roasted wondering. like pyromania. Dude, it's not even and, close, uh, dude. It's not oh, even dude. close, man. All right, they're in the same ballpark. No, they're not. But anyway, they're not in the same state. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you know what's I love Holy Diver and Rainbow in the Dark. Those are the two ones I really knew going into this. Those are the two hits off the albums. Both great, great songs. Some among the best, you know, metal tunes of the eighties. Um, but. Yeah, that's there's more more to this album than just those songs. I thought um Oh, what was the one? Oh, that's on the next album. Never mind. <laughs> 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 but overall, it t- to me, okay, full disclosure, since I thought these two albums were reversed, I thought it was interesting how it seemed like there was a progression. I thought the production was better on holy diver i thought the writing was better i thought the instrument everything was i thought was better on holy diver and that's why i you know it kind of reinforced the idea i thought last in line came first so now i don't know what to think about last. <laughs> it's like uh my world been, has been turned upside down here <laughs> well so. um I think that once again, there's been this thread as we've gone back and talked about um, that it seems that a lot of the bands, not all of them, but a vast majority of them that have longevity and staying power, their debut albums are sometimes their best albums or just fucking incredible albums Mm -hmm. um to hit hit it out of the park 
like this. Um, and, and to the listeners, if you haven't listened to Dio in a while, go back and listen. And But listen when you can really focus and pay attention. There's a lot of things that go on in some of these songs that even though I do have Dio in my rotation on playlists and, and I listen often, um, specifically listening to these albums in order. So we've talked about this a lot on the show as well, right? How we don't listen to albums in order anymore. And oftentimes it doesn't matter. And sometimes it was specifically designed to tell a story. This is one of those albums. Um, so I would, I would definitely suggest going back and listening to it from start to finish as they originally, um, you know, arranged it and lined it up. The song Holy Diver, to me, is Dio. Like, it, that is just, I think the minute Holy Diver starts off, you know that it's Dio. I think it's oh, yeah. such an, it's a theme song to me for 80s metal. Um, and then you have Rainbow in the Dark, which to me is similar, but it's such a different sound than Holy Diver. Mm-hmm. So you have, it's there's a little bit like of disco in there, at, which I know is a horrible, horrible thing to say. It's but, the, um, it's the yeah, keyboards, it's the, the I, I, synthesizer or whatever. It's the, key, it's the keyboard. Yeah. It, yeah, it's the synthesizer, but it's also a little bit of, there's a little bounce in there. It's kind of hard to put my finger on, but it works. It fucking works. And the I think. Appropriate, yeah. The more you know Ronnie James Dio as a character, as a frontman, as a performer, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, And just his fucking vocals. Like, I was just listening this, and I had to stop at one point, and I went and found some isolated tracks. His voice is unfucking real. It's like not human. He's another one of these guys. And just the power he has, you know, when he gets the growls at the perfect place and he has like the operatic pitch of the perfect. I mean, his voice is unfucking believable. Um, And then Vivian Campbell. My God. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. I was just his guitar solos. And these albums are just he awesome. is unfucking believable. He started playing guitar at twelve, and um, he was already in a band and released an EP at the age of fifteen. Uh, the band was called Sweet Savage, and here's a little bit of trivia: Metallica covered Sweet Savage's song "Killing Time" as a B-side on their Unforgiven single. Did you guys yes. know that? Yes. Huh. Yeah. I did um, not know that. Vivian. Uh, Patrick Campbell, he's Irish. He was born in 1962. So he was very young. So that's the other thing. 20 years okay. younger. Yeah. He's he's very young and very fresh. When he That's why I wanted to bring him up for a minute. When he plays on these two albums, he is so young. So for this to be some of your freshman material blows my fucking mind. Um and he, he had, I feel like he had already honed his style to me. I can, I can hear him in White Snake, Def Leppard, and Dio. Like, I can, I can tell it's him. Um, sadly, he has been battling Hodgkin's lymphoma for many years, and um, I couldn't really find much about how he's doing at the moment, but he is a, I, I really, I remember when we were putting our list together, 
of like creating our, you know, the master band. I wanted Vivian Campbell on that list and I kept putting him up there and then taking him down and putting and now there's a part of me that's like fuck. He's in the I conversation, wanted... no doubt. I mean, uh, no God, doubt. Yeah. totally. Um and and with it's without tricks, it's without frills. Um he just gets down in there and like it's like he's a hard worker. You know what I mean? He yeah. gets down in there and he just Ugh, he just creates the sound. It's unbelievable. Um, so impressed with, with such a young man um, creating a sound like that and playing like he does. And if you've ever seen him live, which I have seen him live um, in a few bands several times, and he, he he's a fucking killer. He's a machine. He's just incredible. So um, I, I love that. Also, you know, I tend to take Holy Diver and Rainbow in the Dark and put them in some of my metal mixes. And then when I sit down and actually listen to the album, damn, Don't Talk to Strangers, fucking great song. Shame on the Night, um, Straight Through the Heart. Like, these are fucking great songs. Caught in the Middle, man. I, I, they're awesome just, song. Yeah, the, and to me, this album stands up. This album mm-hmm. could come oh, out yeah. now. I truly believe it could. I think it is fucking phenomenal. Um, yeah, so those are my thoughts on Holy Diver. Well, you mentioned it briefly, Sailor, and I think I would be re- remiss if I didn't mention the artwork. Um, again, signs of the times, I guess. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we go back now. to that 82 to like 88 period where we've covered it before many times, and uh, damn. I'd love to just have a collage of these 80s album covers somewhere. <laughs> That's great. Between all the Iron Maiden stuff and Ozzy I know. and I know. Dio. There was um, a lot of controversy over this. Um, well, I could see why. And it was, yeah, of course. It, did, it, got the, it got the ban in a few places. So there is a... Have you seen the secondary cover? Mm-mm. So, listeners, if you don't remember, so what you've got going um, that Matt's talking about is... So you have um, Murray, the demon, and he is wielding chains. And uh, there is a priest, it looks like, Mm -hmm. who's wrapped up in chains. Mm -hmm. And he's in the water. And uh, Murray is lording over him. So immediately, okay, so then the other option was just... A kind of a close up of Murray, you know, holding the chains over his head, but you couldn't. The, the priest was gone; you didn't see the water or anything. So that was the other option, but a bunch of bullshit. Um, so people were like, "Oh, the devil is is killing the priest, and it's fucking satanic and bloody bloody fuck blah." Um, and they were like, "Well, wait, what if the priest is releasing um, the demons?" You know, so yeah, just fuck off, but. It's a great album cover. Come on. It's it, fucking yeah. Dio. It is a great album cover. I'm just saying signs of the times again. <laughs> um, anyway, I love this fucking album. It's so much fun to listen to. When you listen to certain artists and you can appreciate the talent of the lead singer, uh, you have an appreciation for it. You like the music. But Ronnie James Dio listening to him sing is one of those few guys where it's a true fucking pleasure to listen to this guy sing. It's a well, pleasure. You are, you feel like you are in amazing company when you are listening to this man sing. Kind of like Freddie Mercury. And I'm not comparing Freddie and Ronnie. 
I'm not comparing them at all, but I'm saying there that are the experience, a lot of comparisons, though, yeah. Matt, out yeah, there. Yeah. I read that a lot. They call him the metal Freddie Mercury. Yeah. I've heard that a lot, I'm, actually. What I'm saying is that I understand that. I'm saying the experience of listening to them is an absolute pleasure, and it's the same Agreed. in that regard. Uh, he sings everything with true conviction. Um, his lyrical content, although maybe simplistic subject matter, he really nails it down. And the way he sings it makes it that much more deeper, I guess, for lack of a better term. Um, you mentioned Vivian Campbell, Sailor. I couldn't agree with you more. I would say this stuff, far and away his best stuff. Sorry to any White Snake fans or Ed. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, you named all the songs, too. I mean, Holy Diver, Rainbow in the Dark, Shame on the Night, Caught in the Middle, which other than the two big songs, probably my favorite song. Just a classic, one of those metal albums that if you're a true metal fan from the heyday or today, as you said, Sailor, it holds up today. Uh, if you're one of those true old school metal hard rock fans, this is one of those albums that you have to own or have to have in your top 10. I mean, that's it. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. That is it. And I think Holy Diver, I mean, Holy Diver is like. I think it's like the theme song for 80s metal that could it's like if you want to know what 80s metal sounded like or sounds like or what it's it's holy diver it's a fine example that's for sure absolutely absolutely so next we have the last in line which was released in july of 1984 it was their second album we've got the same lineup um so on this album we've got we rock the last in line breathless i speed at night one night in the city evil eyes eat your heart out and egypt um again this album it went gold it went platinum the accolades were you know uh, were and are unbelievable um it is ranked as one of the greatest metal and rock albums of all time along with holy diver um ronnie james dio by the way writes all the lyrics for these albums um have you guys read the lyrics of a lot of these songs read them no i've listened to them but i haven't read them okay so you know they were into fantasy they were into um you know like like kind of what was popular at the time you know tolkien stuff and right um so I just I want to read you the lyrics to the last in line, the title track. Um, not only was he such an incredibly talented singer, but he was actually a hell of a poet. Okay, we're a ship without a storm, cold without the warm, light inside the darkness, lit at peace. We're a laugh without a tear, hope without the fear. We are coming home. We're off to the witch. We may never, never, never come home. But the magic that we'll feel is worth a lifetime. We're all thrown upon the cross. We'll be thrown before the toss. You can release yourself, but the only way is down. We don't come alone. We are fire. We are stone. We're the hand that writes and quickly moves away. We'll know for the first time if we're evil or divine. We're the last in line. Yeah, we're the last in line. Two eyes from the east. It's the angel of the beast. And the answer lies between all good and bad. We search for the truth. We die upon the tooth. But the thrill of just the chase is worth the pain. 
We'll know for the first time if we're evil or divine. We're the last in line, yeah. We're the last in line. You know what's so amazing about that is that it's, and it goes back to what I said before, it's a simple idea of this good versus evil, mm-hmm. but you just read the lyrics and it's so much deeper than that. <laughs> so which much deeper. It's so fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's the... What, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. I was going to say the last in line coming into this, that has always been my favorite Dio song. It's one of my of, top favorites as well, for yeah, sure. And one yeah. of my definitely one of my favorite um, '80s heavy metal songs. Period. Um, but so I thought it was interesting. I didn't think that the rest of the album held up as well as um, Holy Diver, and and it kind of seems almost seems like it was a slight step back. Um, it seems like in a lot of these songs, the lyrics are more. They seem a little more generic. Um, we Rock was a great, great opener. Great opener song. Um, and the song I Speed at Night, when I heard that, I'm like, you're seeing like the beginning of thrash metal. Yeah. Here, the yeah. very beginnings of thrash in this song. Um, these are the roots right here. Is a perfect example of where it started. Hey, Ed, actually, let's take a quick pause and play that song. That's an excellent... I actually looked at just looked at my notes and was going to say something about that, and I completely forgot. That's such a great point. I speed at night. I speed at night. I speed at night. I speed at night. All right. Okay, yeah, totally, yeah. right? I think that if that song were made today, there'd be a lot of fast double bass in there. Yes, you yes. You where there yeah. wasn't, that hadn't really been done at the time. But uh, yeah, it definitely wants that, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> well, I mean... And, and, you know, we've gushed over Vivian Campbell and Ronnie James Dio. And, I mean, Vinny Apice is a fucking amazing drummer. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't mean to uh, leave him aside or not give him the kudos that he deserves. It, 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 they're, they're all crazy talented. The band is fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're amazingly yeah. talented. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... The last in line, I think, I agree with you, Ed. I feel like perhaps they were trying to just replicate the formula of Holy Diver. I think sometimes bands get trapped in that a little bit. And so, therefore, they didn't really progress. Um, Or they were trying to find their sound. Not sure if Holy Diver was really it. I mean, this comes, you know, Holy Diver is released May of 83, Last in Line is released July of 84. Hmm. And they're touring. Like, I think we forget what it was like then, you know. Um, (laughs) These albums would come out, you know, like this. Right. And so how much time did they have to really work on, on this material inside that tour makes me feel like they were just trying to make another Holy Diver. And there's nothing wrong with that. If that's your band sound, that's what you're doing, that's what works, fuck yeah, do it. Um, so I don't know. To me, that's perhaps why it doesn't feel like it has a progression or it falls a little flat compared yeah. to Holy Diver. So, um, What do you think, Matt? Yeah. 
I mean, on an individual level, you can copy and paste what I said about Holy Diver onto this album. I think Vivian's great. Dio, again, amazing. Um, the keyboards play their part. You don't really see them that much or hear them that much, I should say. Um, I never think keyboards are needed. Um, but <laughs> they, you know, this is how they're supposed to be utilized, not like some other things we talked about recently. Um but for me, I just don't think the end of this album holds up to the end of Holy Diver. So I think it fizzles out really quick. Um, and, you know, for me anyway, and I've said it before on the show, a huge thing that I use in Criteria when we're battling albums is, um, and I'm going to steal a line from the punk band, Some 41, um, I need all killer and no filler. So for me... Holy Diver is all killer, and there's a lot of filler in this album. So, so you just made a statement that you don't think keyboards are ever needed. <sighs> so you're telling me you can you no. Rainbow in the Dark would be Rainbow in the Dark without. Well, he did those put in a caveat on. with exceptions. There are always exceptions. Yeah, there are always exceptions, and I said this in the Def Leppard episode, Van Halen circa 1984, huge exception to that um, okay. rainbow in the dark another exception gotcha yeah well but you know you sounds, know what I mean. it sounds like there isn't much of a battle here <laughs> it sounds like we're, we're pretty much on the same page which i gotta say i'm surprised um ed i didn't but ed and Matt, i didn't know what you guys were gonna feel like about dio um so i'm really surprised that we all feel pretty yeah. much exactly the same way about the band and these albums. Um, did you go back at by any chance and listen to um, some of those albums that they released later that people were saying was like their, you know, their comeback albums? No, did I only had time to, to review these two albums and because I wanted to g- listen to them at least a couple of times each going through this. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was pretty much so focused on these two albums that I haven't, uh, didn't listen to the other ones, but I think that I will, you know, go back and try to Magica and killing the dragon. I highly recommend listening to them and I highly recommend listening to them along with last in line and Holy diver or at very least Holy diver. Um, I, I think that's, if they could have done Holy Diver and then Magica without any of the other albums in there, it could make <laughs> sense. But that's fascinating, though. Think about that. The huge time difference, 20-something years, right? And those two albums could go back-to-back and would have made sense. I find that incredible. Um, so, But unfortunately, they tried to go away from the formula, formula that worked for them. Right, right. And it didn't work when they Correct. went away from it, yes, as we've seen so many times. And I and I think it was going away from Ronnie. I mean, he yeah. was into that fantasy shit. Like, his house looks like a goddamn castle. Like, all the shit in his house. His wife recently um, has been auctioning off a lot of stuff because she said, you know, she really wants the fans to have that stuff. Because they, you know, his interests were so indicative of the, the, the things they wrote about, the music they played. So, um, I think he was getting away from himself in that. You know, how do you have Dio without Ronnie James Dio? You just fucking don't. You know, he's he's it. Um, 
And and for those of you that are not familiar with Vivian Campbell, don't go right to Def Leppard to hear Vivian Campbell, please. Um, <laughs> you know, listen you know, to Dio it's funny first. Because, yeah, I I you know when Vivian Campbell joined uh, Def Leppard, you know, I did not know his backstory. Oh, okay, he's got I quite know, the resume. Just not too long ago, he has yeah, he does. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. even more impressed now with him. Oh yeah, so. he. I mean, Vivian Campbell has played with some. You know, he's done a gazillion trillion. You know, like um, you know these like. I think he did like some live aid type things, you know, whatever they're called. Um, but he, the people that he has played with, the um, the things he's done, um, he played with Lou Graham and oh my God, he's just, he's amazing. He's absolutely amazing. And I think it says a lot when a band like Metallica is covering one of your songs that you wrote when you were like fucking 14. That's just... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Unfucking believable. No um, so yeah. So Jesus, this was easy. Fuck. So I guess the official <laughs> winner is Holy Diver. Holy Diver. <laughs> All right. Um, you know, we actually I I read you um last in line. Let me just real quick before we go, guys. Um, I wanna read you uh, holy diver because <laughs> even though it's the quintessential for a lot of us right um metal songs and and we think we know it so well do you guys know all the lyrics to that song no i know most of them okay yeah so um i could sing along with most of the song but i couldn't like sit here and just recite all the lyrics okay no way so there's a reason why i bring this up because um I, I was as I was listening this weekend and you know I'm I'm playing uh, you know video games so I'm kind of half paying attention I'm just kind of you know letting it get into my head so um, and think about the artwork right that we talked about mm-hmm. originally so um, here goes holy diver you've been down too long in the midnight sea oh what's becoming of me ride the tiger you can see his stripes but you know he's clean oh don't you see what I mean gotta get away it's hard to read this and not sing it i have to say Mm -hmm. because i can hear it (laughs) in my head (laughs) um shiny diamonds like the eyes of a cat in the black and blue something is coming for you look out race for the morning you can hide in the sun till you see the light oh we will pray it's all right gotta get away get away between the velvet lies, there's a truth that's hard as steel. The vision never dives. Life's a never-ending wheel. Holy diver, you're the star of the masquerade. No need to look so afraid. Jump, jump, jump on the tiger. You can feel his heart, but you know he's mean. Some light can never be seen. Holy diver, you've been down too long in the midnight sea. Oh, what's becoming of me? Ride the tiger. You can see his stripes, but you know he's clean. Oh, don't you see what I mean? I just love his... I love the way he writes. I love it. Mm-hmm. I just think his lyrics are fucking fantastic. Um, I, I I think I expected everything to... I think there was a part of me that was like, Oh, Dio's kind of hokey, though. And there's nothing hokey about Dio. Nothing. No, because everything... Unless you watch the videos. Everything well, has a deeper meaning. <laughs> 
Yeah, their videos. You, no, I mean that was well, a, that's a time and a place. Yeah, of, that's yeah, visual. It, it is. But even I still like to go back and watch. Those. I know, but that's it's that's visuals, and you're <laughs> you're very you're so limited in visuals. You know, you're limited by technology. You're limited by so many things. You're not right. in writing and in music. So no, um, I think that's why the videos age so much, and and the music doesn't. But I just I just mm-hmm. find him to be a phenomenal writer. Um, it's it's read read the lyrics while you listen to some of these songs. They're fucking amazing, and he's he's just great at at spinning a yarn, as they say. So, all right. Well, I have to say, my biggest surprise out of tonight was how well received these albums were by Matt. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. So wait a minute. Actually, I have a question for you, Ed. Because it's not close. Yeah. <laughs> So if you felt like Slayer was too um, scary and devilish, how the fuck did you, when did you start listening to Dio? Was it later in life or earlier? No, when in, they were, they were played on the radio and like the, you know, we had a, we, I was lucky enough that we had like a hard rock, heavy metal station in Chicago, uh, like when I was in, you know, like probably later on in high school and college that would play they'd play Dio they played Def Leppard they played Metallica and you know Ozzy and and a lot of these bands so that's how I listened to them okay got it all right (laughs) so sacrilege of course they wouldn't play Slayer Slayer was still way too hard I know oh yeah for sure yeah they're not really in the same but yeah well this was fun not much of a battle. Little just, just kind of like I don't know, like sipping pina coladas in a pool. There wasn't a lot of fighting going on here. Just a discussion. No, but both <laughs> both respectable eighties metal albums, even yes. though one is a lot better than the other. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. And I don't think one one of the things that we none of us really mentioned is I don't feel like Holy Diver rests upon Rainbow in the Dark and Holy Diver as songs no way no i feel like it's no, not after listening to album. the entire album yeah no and usually i say I well agree. you know i choose this album because i can't do without this song if i'm like torn between them but i i feel like and i kind of think i expected that to happen but yeah. i feel like it's a total it's the total package all killer no filler it's a lot more dimensional than just the, not more than just two-dimensional Holy Diver and Rainbow in the Dark. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Attempt to make a joke there. Alright. Next. Ed? Well, if you enjoyed this episode, please tune in next week, where we will be back with another new episode. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So, what is everyone listening to? Has everyone, I'm sure you've had plenty of time to listen to stuff or watch stuff since we made our last episode. So, uh, anything to talk about? Oh, God. Uh, I've just been doing schoolwork since, I've been using this time to do schoolwork. So I guess that makes me yeah. a good boy. Yeah, that's um, true. But what yeah. I tell you is that I did recently purchase, um, and let me give a little bit of background on this. Um, so Dave Broom, to you whiskey people, I'm sure you know who Dave Broom is. Uh, he is a Scotsman. He is very into the whiskey scene. He's an educator. 
um, really in all spirits, not just whiskey, but he does specialize in Japanese whiskeys. Uh, and he releases, uh, I would say once every few years, a, an updated edition of his Whiskey Atlas, which really hones in on different distilleries and tasting notes and everything. And uh, I just purchased um, some of his newest releases that are, are they're a couple of year, years old, so I'm behind the eight ball here, but uh, he made a rum manual and a gin manual as well. And I'm very excited to receive those and read them. Uh, knowing how great he is with whiskey, I'm really, really interested to see his take on these other spirits. Uh, and Dave Broom, for me personally, uh, you know, I've never met him, uh, but someone who is a big influence from the things I've read and all of the works that he's done. Uh, it was a big influence on me starting this whiskey journey and the way he talks about spirits, uh, the way he tastes and describes what he tastes and how he tastes and how he approaches a spirit uh, was a huge inspiration on me and how I taste and describe what I'm tasting um, and his methodology and everything. Uh, so I did buy his rum manual, engine manual, and I would suggest to you guys... Uh, and anybody listening, if you haven't checked him out in any of his literature, I would definitely do so. I okay. I totally agree with you, Matt. 100%. Thank you. You're welcome. See, I can be nice sometimes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I have actually been listening to... Um, you're not going to believe this. Well, I've been listening to Nikki Six's podcast, and I also listen to Lars's podcast. Uh, it's electric. Only because of fucking Joan Jet. God damn it. Oh, That's the only fucking reason. Nice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there you have it. It was really good. I was a little disappointed in that episode. Only, oh, if, really only if for the fact that there was so many breaks to play music oh wow and it wasn't like a straight just one hour interview with her because i feel like there was so much more information that could have been exchanged between the two but there were so many interludes there you know what i'm saying i was that just the format of the show i guess it's the format of his show because i don't remember i mean maybe maybe i just realized it then I think I sometimes other episodes. Yeah. I think sometimes these celebrities that are like really big don't have a lot of time and so they only get them for such a short period of time so that they fill in with music as well. I get it. Yeah. I that mean, could be. you know, yeah. like when we had Jim Florentine on, we had him for a very short period of time as well and you just have to roll with it. Um, I know yeah, she's I guess, doing a yeah. lot of press for her movie that just came out. So that could be it. It could be that Lars sucks. I don't know. <laughs> I guess I was expecting more from him. God damn it. I mean, uh, whoa, isn't everybody all the time <laughs> expecting uh, more from Lars? Too freaking Shay. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, as for myself, I've been working a lot lately. Poor so on my downtime... I actually like to play video games, except I'm more into um, the Call of Duty series, and Black Ops 4 has been the latest one, so I spend a lot of time on Xbox One. God, so they're on 4 if already? Look, if you, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. So if anyone is on Xbox Live, hit up Bourbon Geek if you want to jump in a match. 
but other than that, there is something else that I just saw saw recently. Fred Minnick is starting to put out some uh, new content on YouTube. Um, he has an, uh, one uh, show called The Curation Desk. Mm-hmm. And his um, first episode, he did a tasting of Old Forester Rye with uh, Jackie Zykan. And that was really good. They're, they're really short episodes. It's only like six minutes long. But uh, I'd suggest checking it out and subscribing it, to it. I'm sure he'll have more good episodes in the future. I don't get the whole... Um, I'm going to sound like such an asshole here, but, you know, it's nothing new for me. I don't get the whole watching people or listening to people taste things. It's very, very strange to me. I don't know. I've never really... I've never gotten it. I've never understood why that would be. Oh, I find it entertaining. I know. I and I get hear what other people yeah, think about. Things. I guess I just don't give a shit because it's going to taste the way it's going to taste to me. And I don't know. I'm also not a collector, and like people that wait for releases and oh, I can't wait to get oh, he's got a bottle. What does it taste like? Ah, ah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it just my enthusiasm works differently. I guess I don't know. But Fred Minnick is cool as fuck. We love Fred. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. He's he's brilliant. our listeners our fellow metal rock and whiskey obsessors we value your opinions and your feedback find us on instagram at metal rock whiskey send us your love your likes and please share your thoughts reviews questions suggestions concerns and comments about the show you can follow also follow us individually on instagram yours truly at the whiskey obsessor that is whiskey save the e ed sailor you can find me as Sailor Retro on all of the things that are online. And you can find me at Bourbon Geek on Instagram. That's primarily where I tend to hang out. So this was a lot of fun, guys. Hope you all enjoyed it as much as we did. But now my glass of Sazerac rye is empty and it's time to go. But be sure to tip your waitress on the way out. And we are out. Fuck you, Lars. Bye. Later, everyone. I still have plenty of hot toddy left. I love you more I thought you were throwing it to me for music. No, I just... <laughs> I'm throwing it to the pause for fucking music. <laughs> Jesus Christ, you fuckers. Well, he threw it to me and you started music. What yes, because right, read the script. All right, go. Just go, Matt. We, I'm cutting this out. Just go. <laughs> He's cutting it out. Ha-ha.